as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the mane and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn simple bridges and blaze new trails. Simply applaud the nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. Amen. Amen. Yes, you can applaud God. All right, so would you take your Bibles out? We're going to look into Second um, Samuel chapter 23. We are ending this, praise God, because I, I have exciting, hopefully pray with me that I have an exciting message for Palm Sunday and Easter, but I pray that today you would receive the word. Now, as, as you often see me do this, would you either take your Bible out, take your Palm device, your phone, and make sure it's on airplane mode. Come on now. And, uh, and then take that up. If you've got your Bible app, that's awesome. If you have your Bible, take your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the pew. If you're going to be obstinate, then just take your hands, okay, and just open them up, all right? Just do this. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we have our hands open. We have our Bibles open. We have our, our cell phones open. Lord, now open up our spirit. Open up our minds. Open up our eyes to what the Word of God is going to do and change us. Because I don't want another boring message. I don't want another dead sermon, God. I want people to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want this church to reach out and chase the lion and be what it wants to be. And every person in this room, you have a chase the lion dream. And in Jesus' name, I pray that they would step out. If they haven't stepped out, if they're already going for it, then Lord, bless them. Because this word is powerful, it's life-giving, it can change lives if we focus in on you. And so I'm speaking forth your purpose today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I, as you can tell, I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up, and so there's no perfect time, so it's time to step out. Come on, amen. You've heard the statement, uh, there's no better time than the present. Second Samuel chapter 23, we're going to recap a little bit about Beniah. All right, say Beniah. Okay, Second Samuel 23 20 through 23, I believe I have it there. Check this out. I love this. Benaiah, the son of Jehida, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed, check this out. I'm going to highlight these concepts. Who performed great exploits. Say great exploits. Okay. He struck down two of Moab's best men. Say best men. All right. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Okay. Say snowy day. All right. And he struck down a huge Egyptian Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand. They snatched the spear. Okay, very good. And killed him with his own spear. Verse 22, Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehida. He too was as famous. Say, was as famous. As the three mighty men, he was held in great honor. Say, great honor. Than any of the thirty... But he was not included among the three. And the last part, and David put him in charge, they put him in charge of his bodyguard. Okay, so here it is. We've talked about this. Beniah, um, Mark Batterson wrote this book, Chase the Lion. The first book was the uh, In a Pit on a Snowy Day with a Lion. It's an awesome, it's an awesome, 
event. It wasn't just a story. I know sometimes we say story, and when you think of story, you think of Star Wars. You think of Harry Potter. You think of... Those are stories. They're made up. When I say story, I talk about an account that actually happened. Okay? The Bible is not a book of stories that people made up, uh, unless it's a parable. They are actual accounts of people that did things for God or did not do things for God. And so I'm finishing up. If you've not read the book, please get a copy, read it. Uh, I, I haven't done everything verbatim from this, but I've been using this just as our template because I believe that the church in America is living below its spiritual means. Come on. God is a big guy. He can do anything. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me to step out and chase the lion, the dream that is bigger. And I love the title, and I love at the bottom of this, it says, Chase the Lion. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. You see, for too long, the church has lived a too small dream. I've lived a too small dream. Okay? And so here it is. Benaiah is, is a servant of God. He, 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 he's going to step out now. He, I believe that he, this was probably one of his mindsets is there's no, no better time than the present. Okay? You've heard it. Imagine Benaiah now. Okay? Check this out. You remember I talked about this a few weeks ago, the message, uh, living life in a cave. I stepped out in faith. Now I'm in a cave. Remember that a few weeks ago? So David and his men, when David was called to be king, or he was anointed to be king, he was working for King Saul. King Saul hated him, became jealous of him, began to try to kill him, chased him down. I'm just reviewing a little bit, trying to bring us up to speed now. So David went to the cave of Dalem and... Uh, hundreds of men who were either they were dispossessed, they were poor, they were they just were heartbroken, or, or they were they were just the outcasts of society. They went and gathered to him. In that group, there was a man named Benaiah. Okay, he wasn't a man of privilege. Okay, he was chased out of his out of his home by Saul. He's living now with David in the cave. Remember, there was no Wi-Fi, there was no Panera bread, there was no restrooms there was no hot and cold water uh, there were lions there were beasts they were being chased by the armies of, of Israel they were now the enemy of the state so they're running from cave to cave living out in the desert in the mountain snow all that stuff I would say that Benaiah probably was disadvantaged w- would you agree come on I mean does it, has anyone been chasing you with a spear lately <laughs> have you been living in a cave well yeah my house doesn't have good Wi-Fi. I'm in a cave pastor Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, you know, first world problems. I understand that. It, it can be rough sometimes, you know. We don't understand this sometimes. Come on, amen? And so here, Benaiah and David, they, they're living at a disadvantage. So Benaiah had humble beginnings, and he had this chase the lion dream. He had this chase the lion purpose that God put into his heart, and history is replete of people who have taken hold of these dreams and they said, I don't care what happens, I can't control everything, but I'm going to keep running for my dream. And I want to call you, this church, these people, to live out your dream that God has given you. Your dream should not just be get up in the morning, go to work, survive traffic, come home at night, watch Netflix, have some popcorn, have some yogurt, go to bed, get up and repeat over and over again. This is not life from God all the time. It's part of life, but it's not the life God has called you to live. Come on, amen? It's part of it. I understand that. But part of it is, in that, how can you chase the lion? How can you fulfill this God-given dream that God has you to touch the people, to work, to school, to do what you've been called to do? History is replete with people that have risen above their circumstances. They've risked much. They've stepped out. 
to fulfill what God has put in their heart. And so here it is. I've already read this, but look what Second Samuel, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to highlight again. Second Samuel said Benaiah that he was, this is, this is what was written about Benaiah. This is after his life, okay? Or towards the end of, of David's life. He was a valiant fighter who performed great exploits, okay? He went down into the snowy pit and killed a lion. That's awesome. Uh, he did, and with a spear. He struck down a huge Egyptian. One, one, uh, and in Chronicles, it says the Egyptian was seven foot two. And it says that he went with a club and he took the spear from the, from the Egyptian and killed him with it. He too was famous. He was held in great honor. And then finally, David put him in charge. Now, I pray that I can live a life that maybe even just reaches half of this. That can you imagine if... if what will be said about me or you when we pass in the attorney? He watched TV, he went to work, and he cheered for the Broncos. Really? I mean, except for the Broncos thing. You want that. You want that, okay? But you don't want, they went to work, or they went to school, they paid their bills, and they went to heaven. If that's your life dream, then that's not a life dream from God. Come on, Amen. I'm called to get on your nerves. I'm, excuse me. I'm called to encourage you to live what God has called you to live out. And I want to challenge you today. I want to call you to action today. I want to call you to move out. You see, God has given you, and I always say this a lot, He's given you a divine dream, and He's waiting on you to step out. He's waiting on you to step out. The dream requires that we step out, that we expect Him, as, as Pastor Billy said. They, they don't, they're, they're in over their heads. God likes that. When we have to say, okay, God, I need you to intervene because I don't know what they're doing. Olivia and I, I'm going to just give this to you. We were on staff at a, a pretty large church. We had four Sunday services. Isn't that exciting? And you struggled with getting to one. <laughs> and we had four services. And yes, we were tired Sunday nights. We were like, oh, we're tired. We're wiped out, but this is awesome. Our, our, the youth ministry was booming. I was the senior executive pastor. Over, the church was booming. It was exploding. And, that, and things were going good. And God says, all right, Stan, time to resign here and move on. We're like, Okay, resign here. Where? Don't worry about that. You just resign here, and when you resign, when you step out of faith, I will tell you what to do. So guess what? Here, I mean, this is the youth group booming. The ministries that I'm overseeing is booming. The church is booming. And, and I was like, okay, Olivia and I prayed about it. We went to Utah. We were on vacation. We were out in the desert. Maybe the sun burned us. I don't know. But this, the desert reminded us, okay, so we come home. I tell the pastor, listen, there's nothing wrong. And we had a great relationship. We still do today. I said, there's nothing wrong. We love this. We love this church. But God is telling us to leave the church. And the pastor's like, what? You're crazy. What are you going to do? Is it someone off you better job? I'll pay more. No, no, no. We're just leaving. Well, what are you going to do? Are you gonna pa-? I said, we don't know. God just told us to resign and step out in faith. I don't know what we're going to do, but God's going to tell us. So we resign. We step out in faith. We stopped getting paychecks from the church. We stopped having health insurance from the church. They never gave us retirement anyway, so we didn't have to worry about that, okay? So we stepped out, and then what are you going to do? It's like, well, we're going to find jobs. Olivia already had a part-time job. I started asking around. Someone gave me a job. And when, once we, a month later, we're like, God, what do you want us to do? We're praying. And the Lord then said, basically, I'm going to shorten the story. It's time for you now to plant a church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, Lord, that's great. I don't have money. I don't have people. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the training. And he said, that's, that's exactly what I need from you. So that it'll be me and not you. So we stepped out. 
We moved ourselves. We sold our little tiny 890 square foot townhome with no garage, okay? We sold that. Olivia and I, with no kids at the time, we're grateful for our beautiful kids because they're the byproduct of Utah and, of course, us. Uh, and so we left. We, we had to pay for our move. We drove a, uh, a rider truck from Colorado Springs, Colorado, to Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, and we, we drove it there. We had to find an apartment. No one paid for our apartment. We had to get there. We had to go and start planning. We, we, I was going door-to-door, knocking on doors. Why? Because God called us. It was over our heads. When we left there, in, in two-year time, the church became 150 people. It was a, what we call the General Council Church. Of course, we left the church, sadly, and of course the church folded into two different churches after we left, after seven years. But we obeyed God. We stepped out in faith, and that was one of the greatest things that we ever did. And of course, the next greatest thing was coming here. And we, we love this church. But here's what I'm saying is, if we always live for the guarantee, you're going to miss out on what God's called you to do. Faith is dangerous. And we're so safe. We wanna, we, we, we've been bought into this nanny state concept from the government. And we, wanna, we want God to bless us. Oh God, bless me, bless me. And blessings come sometimes from hard work. Blessings come from stepping out. So Benaiah and his men with him, with David, they stepped out. Benaiah stepped out. He jumped into a pit, okay, on a snowy day against the lion, all right? He, he, he steps out. So here's what I'm asking you. What do you need to do to fulfill your chase the lion dream. What do you need to do? Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. I know I've talked fast. I know I'm hyper. And I only had three cups of coffee this morning. Wow. I need to cut back on some of that sometimes. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? In other words, if there's no action, is what he's saying. Can such faith save him? James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. In other words, if you can claim to be a Christian all you want, you can claim you can have a dream all you want, but if you're not stepping out, there's no action, then it's not there. All right? Here we go. Let's talk about the theory of compensation. Theory, say theory, of compensation. You're like, yeah, pastor, I, I like that theory. I need to be compensated at work. I need to get paid better. Uh, well, this is not that, all right? This is something a little bit different, all right? Now, let me read this to you again. 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. You good? Okay, I really, I'm going to slow down a little bit. I have a little time. For a second. If I just start speeding up, I'm sorry. Verse 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those, check this out, here's what I want to read. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. And in that was Benaiah. Okay? So letter A, discoveries from disadvantages. There are discoveries from disadvantages. How many, how many of you know or like Mozart or Beethoven? How many of you know who Mozart or Beethoven is? How many of you know what music is? I, I, may, okay, I've, what, I've met three people, maybe four people in my life that don't, mu- don't like music. Crazy. Right? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Who was that? Dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 da
What's that, Pastor? Then you need to stop listening to some of the junk you listen to. You need to expand your music. There's more than country music. Praise God there's more than country music. There's more than rap music, really. There's classical. There's rock. There's ballad. I mean, there's, there's lots of music. And I'm challenging you. Listen to some Mozart. Listen to Beethoven. Beethoven, okay? But did you know this? Okay, check this out. So you understand who they are, right? You all right? Did you know that both Beethoven and Mozart had degenerative traces in their ears? In other words, they had hearing loss. What? What did you say? I didn't hear you, Pastor, because you're ignoring me now. And did you know that, and most of you know, that Beethoven composed music even while he was deaf? Well, that's easy. Okay, if it's easy, then try it. Let me know how that goes for you. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Mozart and Beethoven, these were, were great, great, great musicians. Their music still gets played today. And around the 20th century, this man named Alfred Adler proposed the counterintuitive theory of compensation. He said, okay, okay now you're losing me, Pastor, because you're smart and you'll get this. Adler believed, I'm going to read it to you, that perceived disadvantages proved to be well-disguised advantages that forced us to develop attitudes and abilities that would have otherwise gone undiscovered. Okay, in other words, let me break it down. It's only when we compensate, this is compensation, for our disadvantages do we discover our greatest gifts. When we compensate for our disadvantages, then sometimes we discover our greatest gifts. Mozart. Everyone says, well, Mozart was born a prodigy. Uh, and possibly... But his dad trained him. He had earring loss. Beethoven, same thing. They had early training. They practiced all the time. It was a lot of practice. But they overcompensated the theory of compensation. Because of their disadvantage of hearing, they said, we've got to. And it became this wonderful gift that the whole world now benefits. Right? I mean, Mozart has many pieces, right? Beethoven had many pieces. And it doesn't seem that here in Beniah that he was born in a privileged family. I mean, I know this is the hot, this is the hot thing right now. Oh, white privilege, you know. You know, I'm going to tell you, if you live in this country, whether you're from this country, you are privileged. You are privileged. There are people dying to get to this country to take your bills, to argue and struggle about your struggles to complain about your job. Come on, to complain about our politics. Lord have mercy on us, right? There are people trying to get here in droves because they see that this country is blessed. That's another topic. If you want to talk to me about white advantage, black advantage, Hispanic advantage, if you're a child of God, you have an advantage. Okay? But he's waiting for you to tap into him. Come on, amen? So Benaiah did not come from a, pri- a privileged family. He had to fight. He had to work from a position of disadvantage and it worked out great for him. I don't want to challenge you. Sometimes you and I were waiting on God to hand us everything and he's saying, I'm not going to give it to you until you actually step out and you actually have to put some sweat equity in it. You're not earning your salvation. There, that's a different thing. We're not talking about that because you're saved by grace, not by works. Just say that. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. 
Okay, I have to clear that up for you theologians out there. Pastor stands talking that we're working for salvation. No, you don't work for salvation. You gain it by accepting Jesus Christ. However, you have to live by faith. Come on, amen. It's a different concept. We can learn that success is not, achi- is not achieved in spite of disadvantages. It's achieved because of them. Mozart, Beethoven, because of their degenerative hearing loss, they had to work harder and it does a great gift. Maybe some of you say, you know what, I, I wasn't born with this. I wasn't born that way. I lived here. I did that. I don't have those skills. But maybe because you work harder now, it's going to be a blessing and you're going to discover your true gifts. Come on, amen? All right, are you doing good? Check this out. Destiny isn't revealed on sunny days. Letter B. Destiny is not revealed on sunny days. We, we want that. We want to be like... It's in the park, it's 75 degrees, there's a nice breeze, you've got a nice glass of iced tea or whatever you're drinking, coconut milk, or I don't know what you drink, I don't know, uh, goat's milk, uh, I don't know what you're drinking, okay? You're listening to Beethoven, uh, Mozart, I don't know who you're listening to, maybe you're listening to, I don't know what you're listening to. And all of a sudden you're sitting there, you've got your Bible open, and you've got, your, oh Lord, speak to me, the birds, are, you know, and like, oh, this is great, your kids aren't fighting, or you're, maybe you're not fighting, or you're single, and like, I don't care if I get married or not, I just love Jesus. And all of a sudden the Lord says, hey, you, here's the vision. Oh. Because it's a perfect day. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, okay, Lord. Write this down now. Step one. Step two. Oh, this is great, Lord. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. I mean, it could. Well, Pastor, it happened to me. Then you're that anomaly. Please be quiet until I'm done. No, I'm just kidding, all right? Um, I love you. Okay, so, so it doesn't always work that way. Benaiah was not sitting in Jerusalem having him, his, you know, the potato cakes, and he wasn't having his gefilte fish. He wasn't having his bagel and, and tea and coffee. He was on the run from the king, living in caves. And then these dreams, like these are from God. I'm going to do this. I want to become David's uh, head bodyguard. And he became the commander-in-chief for Solomon. You see, King Saul slept in the comfort of the palace. David and his band of misfits camped out in a cave. Saul's army was well-fed and well-equipped. David's mighty men were not. In fact, it was evidence that Benaiah had to snatch the spear he had a club and he had to snatch the spear from a seven foot two. You ever seen someone seven foot two? I don't know how tall Benaiah was. Maybe six foot. Maybe he was like strapping. Maybe he was built like uh, this awesome linebacker for this football team out in Denver. I can't think of his name right now. I just he's got glasses. Fifty. Uh, anyway, um, and so uh, so. Maybe he was like that. Maybe he was not. Maybe he was skinnier than you and I. But he didn't have a. He didn't have. Marine training. He didn't go to basic training. Maybe he did. I don't know. He, he had a club and a spear. Now, if you know, if you're smart, a spear has an advantage over a club. Well, not for me, Pastor. I'm glad you're trained at that. You're awesome. I'm not. And so he has a club. This guy has a spear. He's seven foot two. But I, I don't know, five, eight, five, ten, six. I don't know how tall he is, but he snatches the spear. Excuse me, we are, I have a budget cut right now. I need to use that spear. And I'm going to take your spear because I don't have it, and I'm going to take care of you. Here's my point. Well, uh, Pastor Stan, I would do this thing if God would fund it. Pastor, we would start that ministry if we had the money. 
Pastor, I would do that. I would step out if everything was laid out. It doesn't work that way. Because if everything was laid out, then you still wouldn't do it. If all the money was there, you would spend it on something different. Or you would say, oh, we've got to watch it. We've got to protect it. Oh, it's great. I'm serious. Come on, amen. Destiny is not discovered on sunny days. It's usually revealed on snowy days. Or when the giant has a spear and you've got a club. Come on, amen. Maybe the disadvantage you're facing is revealing your greatest gift and your destiny. Are you ready to chase a lion? I hope so. Letter, here we go. This is pretty cool, all right? The next thing is this. Um, number two, no excuses. Say no excuses. We are a people. And pastors say, I love excuses because I make them all the time. Sometimes, I mean, I can come up with some great excuses, right? Come on. 1 Corinthians 4.20 again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of excuses. Wait, it didn't say that. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Again, what good is it, my brother? If a man claims to have faith and has no deeds, can such faith save him? Are, are you ready? This is going to be a little long. Oh, man, I'm running out of time because I keep goofing off here. Sorry. I want to read to you some excuses. These are, these are the if, if excuses, all right? You and I. I'm going to read not all of them, but here, here's our excuses, okay? Because God wants you and I to stop making excuses. He wants us to confess them. He wants us to start stepping out and living for them, all right? Are you ready for God? All ready? Here's my, here's for excuse. If I didn't have a wife and a family... You're in trouble, by the way, if, if that's what you're saying. Um, if I had enough pull, if I had money, these are excuses, okay? If I had a good education, if, if, if I could get a job, if I had good health, if I only had time. Oh, boy, you want to talk about that? Get me upset. Um, if I only uh, had time, if, if times were better, if other people understood me, uh, if conditions around me were only different, if I could live my life over again, if I did not fear what they would say, if I had been given a chance, if I had a chance, if other people didn't have it out for me. Oh, that's, stop making that excuse. Um, if nothing happens to stop me, if I were younger, if I were older, uh, if, if I had been born rich, if I could meet the right people, if I dared assert myself, if I, if I only uh, had not had this past, I'm just skipping through these, if people didn't get on my nerves, that's a good one, huh? If I didn't have to keep house and look after these kids, if I, if I could save money, if the boss appreciated me, uh, if, if someone would only help me, if my family understood me, if I lived in the big city, if I lived in the country, if I were only free, uh, if my talents were known, if I could only get a break, if I could get out of debt, if I hadn't failed, if I only knew, if I could, if I, 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 if I. Excuses. And one day, you and I are going to stand before God. And I mean, and this is where I get cranky, is I'm running out of time. I'm 52 years old. I know I'm young to a lot of you. I'm a young, hyper kid still. But God has called me to help you and I to stop making excuses and start making things happen in God's power. He's waiting for us to stop making excuses. For every excuse, there's an answer. For every excuse, there's an opportunity. For every excuse, there's a prayer that God wants to answer. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I've been getting upset at myself. Stan, you need to stop making excuses. Stop whining. Stop complaining. And remember what God can do. And start living like Benai. Start chasing the dream. I'm going to move this because I know you'll trip on it. You'll look for the excuses. Oh, that's a new excuse I haven't used yet. I'm going to use that one. 
by the way, if you want that list, $10,000 in cash. I will give you that list. I'm just kidding. So, so Benaiah, listen, Benaiah could have made any of those excuses, but his dream was greater than his excuses. His dream was greater than his disadvantage. How about you? How about you? It's time for us to chase the dream and stop making excuses. You see, he had on the snowy day, I'm going to go back to A, I kind of skipped over this. Letter A, no excuse, letter A, it was the worst possible day. It was a snowy day. Now again, most of you know it doesn't snow a whole lot in the Mideast. It does, but not always. Okay? And so it was, it was the worst day for him to go in a snowy pit. It was. It was the worst day. He probably had sandals. He didn't have the Patagonia boots that you guys have. He didn't have the North Face jacket, right? He didn't have the Columbia gloves. Okay? He didn't have the Under Armour cleats. The lion had built-in Under Armour battle cleats. You'll get that in a few moments. Okay? Built-in. It was the worst possible place in a pit. The worst possible conditions. Benaiah maybe was 200 pounds strapping muscle compared to a 500 pound man-eating lion in a pit. Remember, don't back an animal. Don't try to mess with an animal backed in a corner or in a pit. What does Benaiah do? That's not a good day. I'm going to wait for better conditions. The sun needs to be out. I didn't have my Under Armour cleats on. He's got his on. Uh, I'm going to wait. He jumped in the pit and he kills the lion. Maybe with a spear that he took from the Egyptian. I don't know. Stop making excuses. All right, I'll move on. So the art of the start. Let her, let's move on. Number three, the art of the start. You cannot finish, say I, cannot finish what I do not start. Now in America, and, and we have two problems. We either start things and we never finish. Let me help you, okay? Stop that! <laughs> Unless it's a bad habit, then stop that. Yes, if you start a bad habit, then stop that, Okay? But don't keep starting things and then never finish. Finish stuff. Finish stuff, okay? Come on, you can do this. Finish. So check this out. The, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this book. I, 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 maybe I'll find time to read it. But in February 2001, this man named Than Bennett felt called to write a book. And this is out of Mark Batterson's book, okay? He kept making excuses. I don't think I, I, I have that kind of time. I love that. That's the excuse we all use. Uh, the book is outside the scope of my profession, these are the only years my wife and I have without children because it does change. Amen. Um, but on April 19, 2015, Than Bennett heard a message from his pastor entitled The Art of the Start. His pastor is Mark Batterson. And he was moved to start writing. Okay, so this is April 19, 2015. His book releases this week. Do I have it right there? You've already had me. This book started with a dream that God spoke to him in 2001. What's the year now? How many, so how many years is that? 16 years. So his dream is being released this week. Okay? How do you start your dream? Give yourself a start date. Start today. Start tomorrow. Write it down on a piece. Write it down where you will see it. So your mind's, I'm going to start this today. I'm, tomorrow, I'm going to start that. Don't start tomorrow because you know what happens tomorrow, right? Then give yourself an hour a day of planning, working, dreaming your Chase the Lion dream. Come on, amen? I, I was reminded, some of you remember Lowell Sensentaffer. He was a doctor. He's a doctor now. He lives in, uh, in Missouri now. Um, he was at church here, and he just posted on Facebook. He, read it. he talked about he was, he was 
thinking about going in the medical field. He was thinking about not going to the medical field. He met this 62-year-old doctor intern uh, who he was like, what's, what's going on? Why did you start so late? Well, I had a dream. I had kids. And now my kids are gone. And I was wondering what I was going to do. And God put this dream back in my life. So this lady, 62 years old, passed through the MCATs, now becomes a doctor. 62! She fulfilled her dream. She put a start date. Again, I'm going to start. So please, find a time. You cannot finish what you don't start, but you have to find a time. Letter B, I want to talk about this for a minute. Too many distractions. Too many distractions. Are you doing good? I'm almost done. I really am. How many of you feel that you're the master of multitasking? You can multitask. You're the master of it. Can I just tell you, can I just be nice to you? You're not getting a lot done. Think about this. Think about, and I've used this example. Think about, have you ever seen at the circus where the guy starts a, a plate spinning on a pole, right? He starts another one. He starts another one. So he's, now he's got like eight or ten, he's got eight or ten projects. He's multitasking. Look at him go, right? So he spins this plate, that one at the end. So he's got to run down here. He's got to spin that plate. He's got to spin that plate. He's, oh, what is he doing? I'm getting stuff done. I'm busy. Look at me. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Where's he going? Nowhere fast. (laughs) What? What? What, Pastor? Did you know that multitasking over a long time limits production or finishing tasks? In fact, sadly... This young man was multitasking on the road in Texas this week. He was texting, crashing a church bus, killed 13 people. You can't multitask and be effective. You see, we're led to believe by our society, the more we're doing, the busier we are, the more important we are. God's not going to hold you that task. He's say, did you finish what I asked? But I was busy. Well, look at all the plates I was spinning, God. I didn't ask you to spin plates. I asked you to do this task. This one task, or these two tasks. Now, I know, ladies, you can multitask. I, I've seen it done. My mom, do you remember when the phones had the long cords and they were on the wall? Remember those? My mom, I, she was awesome. She's on the phone talking to her friends. Mom, mom, I got to cut my... She's talking to her friends, put the bandaid out. She's cooking dinner, you know. The dogs are wild. Goes out, takes care of the dogs on the phone. So that moms can do that, all right? That's just a mom thing. Men, don't try this at home, <laughs> all right? <laughs> don't try driving either. Okay, ladies, so I'm going to give that to you. You can mom multitask a little bit, but you still can't focus on one thing completely. And studies have proven, because I want to prove this to you, because I have the notes up there, so, Pastor, you're making this up. You make up half these illustrations. You, you make up this data. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Maybe I read, which I do, by the way. Um, but it says that the studies have, are now stating that workers that multitask are less productive than those that focus on one or two projects. Come on, amen? And it's actually destroying people's brains because studies show that students and young adults, and anyone actually, but this is the king on this, that they're more stressed out, they're getting less sleep, and they're not retaining as much because they have too much stimuli because they're trying to multitask. Look up the book, The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results, done by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. I love that, Papasan. (laughs) 
Uh, it, anyway, that has another connotation. Anyway, so, so he, they, they were said, there's research and there's another book called Essentialism. Uh, and it talks about when you focus in on a few things, you're more productive and life is actually better. Less stress. There's joy in life, okay? So too many distractions can keep you from fulfilling God's dream. Amen? What do you, do, what do you need to do to start? Well, Ask yourself, what's God calling me to do? What's this dream? Maybe it's a better health plan. Maybe it's, in fact, it is definitely a spiritual growth plan. Every one of you should have a new spiritual growth plan every year. Maybe it's going through financial peace. Maybe it's starting a company. I don't know. Maybe it's writing a book. But whatever it is, you cannot finish it if you don't start it. And you can't finish it if you're trying to do 15 projects at one time. Focus in. I, I challenge you. Focus in on a few projects at one time. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to give it to you, but in a minute, I want to give you uh, another tool for those that want it at the end. Let's talk about 80%. Say 80%. You doing good? I really am. I'm getting down to the done. I'm getting down to being done. Almost. Two more hours. 80% certainty. Say 80% certainty. Okay? Too many businesses and churches want guaranteed success. And this is their percent. We will do this if we can get 80% certainty. Right? Some of you in the business world you are 100%. We're not doing this until we can know. And so then they say, you know, we need to do more research. You ever been in a meeting and you're ready to go? How many of you love that? You're, you're, you're in a meeting. They've had you work on this task for months. You bring it to the presentation. You got your nice PowerPoint. You got your cool handouts. And, the, and you hand it all out. And you're ready to go. Our word division, we're ready to go. We can make this happen. You just tell us when. They'll go, you know what? We need more research. What? You, you need more research? Yeah, we need 80% uh, you know, guarantee. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, when we do this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the bomb. You guys say that. It's going to be awesome. But you see, we, we get this analysis paralysis. Say analysis paralysis. You see, too many of us want guaranteed success. And Mark Batterson, even when he's writing books, he says he gets to the place because he's a perfectionist and he's got to stop. He gets to the place where he's writing a chapter that when, he's, he, when he thinks he's at 80%, he submits it to the editor. Because he says what happens, he'll sit on it and try to tweak it and do this, and he'll never get anything done. And companies and churches, we say, well, we're not going to do that outreach. We're not going to plant this church till I know that I have 80%. I mean, that would be great, 80%. I mean, right now, Pastor Billy and Lisa, they have 0% right now. They're stepping out. God, you're going to do this. Olivia and I, when we planted our church like city, we had 0% success rate. Except for we had 100% in God. Because we knew God was for us. And we knew God had called us to do that. And so you've got to believe in your dream. You've got to believe in what God's called you to do. There will never be perfect conditions. Come on, amen? You've got to step out when, when, when God calls you to step out. Ecclesiastes 11.4, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. You see, many businesses call for more research and test models to make sure their plan is foolproof. And then many of these organizations lose the market share or they, they lose an opportunity to go ahead. You see, Benaiah didn't have 80% success. Benaiah probably had smaller odds. But he knew in God. He trusted in God. Letter B, ship it 
we can update it. So Guy Kawasaki, he was part of the Apple team. Uh, in fact, he called himself, he was the, he was the chief evangelist. He, this is what he called him. He was the chief evangelist for Apple. Now he's the chief evangelist of, of, of a corporation called Canva. Canva. And, so, and he's a Christian, by the way. At least he claims it. That's what he said in, in one of the uh, sessions I, I sat in at Catalyst with him. Uh, actually, thousands of us. It wasn't like me and him, but a bunch of us, Okay. But he said, Apple has this concept that we will, we will make a product and we will think that it's ready and functional and we'll ship it and then we'll, we'll send updates. Right? How's that work for them? Very well. Because you keep buying their Apple phones that they ship not ready. Come on. Why? Because they don't sit around, well, it's got to be 100%. They, they ship their, we think it's ready to go, we're going to ship it out. Samsung kind of does the same thing because they realize if we don't catch up with Apple, we're going to be behind them. You see, we're always wanting, well, I got to, I got to, you know, so, sometimes you just got to step out and watch God do his work. And when you step out, God will send the updates. You get what I'm talking about? Now go. Benaiah, now go. Abraham, now go. David, now go. You see, in church, we're waiting for everything to be perfect before we go. And God is waiting for you to step out. He says, I'm not going to give you everything until you step out. Are you ready to achieve your dream? The answer, I hope, is yes, and you need to step out. Come on, amen? It's go time. So number, number five, go time. A goal is a dream with a deadline. You and I could talk about, and I'm, one of my dreams was to get a master's degree. It took me a little longer than I wanted. I got it. Thank you for helping me out. I'm 52. I have another dream, but I'm not going to tell you those other dreams, but they, they come to help fulfill God's call. So sometimes, remember I talked about that 62-year-old doctor? She had got married, had kids, had to, had to take care of them. And then later on, after her kids and now grandkids were born, she decided to go back to her dream. It's never too late. But you have to put a deadline. You have to have a start date and say, okay, by X and by time, with God's help, I'm going to make it. God gives you a dream. You must break it down into small steps and you must start stepping towards it. You need to start walking towards it. Come on, amen? Here's what you need to do. Uh, some of you, again, you have a, a task list or to-do list can I challenge you a little bit? Get rid of that. Now, again, so there's sometimes, I mean, home, I have a to-do list. I got to do this. And those are good things. And, and sometimes you have to have this. But I want to challenge you. I'm not going to pass it out right now, but I'm, if you want to come get it at the end, we'll pass it in the back. But I'm going to challenge you to get rid of your to-do list and have a success list. A success list is not a to-do list because to-do lists just keep you busy. And you just, get, you just feel like you're accomplishing stuff and you're checking things off. You know, okay, I checked emails. Had coffee. Plugged in my cable at the network. Checked emails. Facebook. Answered the phone. Left home for work. Big deal. Did you accomplish much? Well, I checked my emails. Well, well maybe sometimes they're good. But, but here's what it's... The success list says this. Find the few things that you're called to do or, or your job's calling you to do and focus on that. Now, if, you're, if your job is a to-do list, then that's different. If you're, if you're called to finish to-do list, then, then do that. But in that, even prioritize. Put the most important things, the, the things that are going to make the best impact. So I'm going to give these to you in the back at the end of service or you can come up and get them, but they're for you to take. Is, is get rid of your to-do list of just being busy because busy doesn't always mean success. Come on, that's good preaching, Amen. The ministry of go until no. The ministry of go until no. i, I got to go. Can I just have a few more minutes? Are you good? Because I told you, there's no football on today. Your soccer team's going to lose if you leave early. 
Okay, I, I decree it. I'm just kidding. Um, hockey's not on. The NCAA finals, there's the game Monday night. Okay, go Gonzaga. Um, or Caroline, I don't care. I kind of care. <laughs> but I don't care. You see, Paul the Apostle and Benaiah, they practiced the ministry of go until no. And what I meant is they, they would just go until God said no. You and I in America, we have the ministry, I'm going to sit and wait until I get to go. It's no until I, God says go. God's saying, I'm tired of that. You need to go and then I'll tell you what not to do. Now, it doesn't mean not have training. It doesn't mean it, it's do, have due diligence. Do the best. Have your training, but start doing something with it. How many more sermons do you need? How many more Sunday school classes do you need? How many self-help books more do you need to read? Come on, amen? It's time for you to start going. In fact, Acts 16, 6 through 10, Paul knew his divine purpose. Benaiah knew his divine purpose, and they went after it until God said no. Acts 16, 6 through 10, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Having, check this out, here's the no now, because they were just going, they're going. God's called us to preach the gospel. God's called us to establish churches. God's called us to help people be free. That was their mission. So they're just doing it. They're going as the Spirit leads them. So they say, we will go until the Holy Spirit says no. So they're going, having been kept, check this out, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word, of, uh, uh, the word in the province of Asia. What? God doesn't like Asians? No, he loves Asians. You'll see in a little bit. So, so when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of a Macedonian standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Check this out. After Paul had seen this vision, they had committee meetings. They prayed about it. They raised funds. They trained in the church for four years. They talked about it. They sang songs about it. No, it says, what does it say? We got up ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, the people in the church were waiting around. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. God said, go, 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 go. But I need more training. Pastor Stan hasn't been there to help me out. Uh, The board doesn't do things to help me out. The Sunday school class is not in the right topic now. God is saying, just go, and I will tell you no. Go. Are you ready to start? You got to go. You have to go. Spend time in prayer, know your vision, and then start moving out. God will tell you no. Oh, I'm afraid of making mistakes, but you're going to sit all your life afraid of making mistakes, and you're never going to reach what God has called you to do. You've got to step out. Come on, amen? Good preaching. Here we go. I'm, I'm getting down. I really am. I'm on the last page. Number six, opportunity cost. Remember, do you remember, how many of you remember Blockbuster video? Anybody remember them? You young people are like, what? Blockbuster, what's that? Oh, I kind of miss Blockbuster a little bit. I, I had a little. In fact, I probably still have a card just for the sake of looking at, it, just to remind myself. And, and, and in fact, I had a spare card card in my car in case I. I loved walking. You see the remember the VHS? Remember those? That was before. Some of you are like VHS. What's that? Checkbooks. Young people. We used to. Some of us used to have to write checks out. I'm sorry. Okay, quit, quit messing around, guys. So, so Blockbuster, remember? I mean, you'd go to the store and you'd see the videos or the, and then DVDs came along and you'd pick them up and you'd go and you'd pay, you'd rent for it. Now some of you, like, you just did all on demand, all that stuff. Okay, so Blockbuster was at, at, at in 2004, the peak of 2004, they had 60,000 employees, 900 stores. Do I have it? They had 900 stores worldwide. Hit, do I have the stats? Okay, so check this out. 
So they had 9,000 stores worldwide, and their, their annual income, this is a lot of money, $5.9 billion. That's a lot of money. And at that time, check this out, only 4% of homes had broadband. You think, remember dial-up, remember that? Try watching a video on dial-up. It doesn't work. Um, so in, in 2010, 68% of homes had broadband. In fact, probably even more now. Okay? So check this out. Sadly, sadly, don't go to the next screen yet. Just wait. Sadly, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy and you can no longer go to Blockbuster stores. It didn't have to end that way. Blockbuster didn't have to end that way. You see, they turned down the opportunity to buy a DVD mailing company at that time called Netflix for this much. Do I have it? They turned down to buy this little company called Netflix for $50 million in 2000. Now, that's a lot of money. $50 million. I don't have $50 million. Some of you do, but I don't. But that was, for Blockbuster, that was three days of their revenue. Opportunity lost, opportunity cost. In business speak, this is called opportunity cost. You see, Blockbuster could have foregone three days of making money. I mean, $15 billion, right? $5.9 billion, that's a lot of money. That's not going to hurt you to miss three days and to buy this little upstart company called Netflix. Now Netflix has it right here, has an annual income, maybe more, $32.9 billion. You see, the lion in the pit on a snowy day was an opportunity. Facing a giant Egyptian with only a club and taking his spear was an opportunity. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. If there's not so, a few risks that you have to step out on, like Pastor and Billy, Pastor Billy and Dee, they're, they're gonna, they've, they've, he's left his job. He's done with his staff position. They're now transitioning. And you see, some of you, you're waiting around for God to provide the $10 million so you can start his dream. God is saying, why don't you step out and maybe I'll provide some of that. I'll give you the updates when you need them. I'll give you the fixes when you need them. I'll give you the resources. I, I can resource you with anything, but you have to step out. Here it is. Count the cost. Count the cost. You see, we, we have this mindset where we believe that if we just keep thinking ourselves, we'll get better. And, and you have to have thinking and then action. In fact, Here's something I, I struggle against just like you. Maybe not. We have to stop seeing the problems or disadvantages as roadblocks, but start looking at them as stepping stones or launching pads. But Naya, I'm sure, he, I'm sure when they were leaving one cave the next in the hot sun, when they were being chased, and like, what do we eat tonight? I don't know, whatever we find in the cave. Great, scorpions again. Sick of eating scorpions. I'm sick of eating these little goats or these little rabbit things, you know. I'm sure they wanted some prime roast and some fresh, warm pita bread. That's what they ate. He didn't look at it as a disadvantage. He looked at it as, this is preparing me for God's call in my life. You see, God wastes nothing. 
Stop looking at your life from a disadvantaged point of view because you're going to be angry and bitter the rest of your life. You're going to be looking at other people and being angry and jealous and you're going to miss out on the blessings God has called you to live. Start looking at your life saying, okay, these are preparing me for my dream or these are part of my dream. They're not going to keep me from my dream. Would you stand with me? Check this out. You see, we really only see, worship team, come to the front, please. We, we really only see what we're looking for. Remember the excuses? If you're looking for excuses, you're always going to find them. Come on, amen? Come on, listen, did you hear me? If you're looking for excuses, you're always going to find them. But on the good side, on the other hand, if you look for opportunity, you're going to find them. Every day, God puts new opportunities in front of you. Every day. You can either look at it as, oh, great, more work. Oh, that person. Oh. Or you see, you know, here's an opportunity for God to do something big. God, here it is. Here's an opportunity. How are you going to make it happen? How am I going to step out? What do I need to do? Church, at the end of your life, when you stand before God, I hope that you and I do not have the opportunity lost or opportunity cost. We're like, you know, we missed it, God. We missed it. I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to live safe anymore. I mean, I want you to be safe physically, but I don't want you to live this boring, dead, safe Christianity where you come, you hear good messages, you hear great worship, sometimes good messages, you have air conditioner, heater that sometimes works, and then you go home. God has called you to be a light at your home, at your workplace, in your neighborhood. God has called you. Maybe you're going to be a CEO, or maybe you're going to have your own business, and you're going to make 15.9 or $32 billion, and you're going to fund missionaries and church plants. You're going to feed homeless people. I don't know what you're going to do with that, but God has called you to do something like that. Maybe it's to make 100000 Maybe it's to make 10000 I don't know. Remember, Benaiah didn't have the spear. He didn't have the, the nice food and nice clothes and armor. He jumped in there with a lion, with a spear. He took down the giant with a club. He took his spear. God will resource you when you step out. God's calling you. He's calling this church for us to step out. To start looking outside of our walls and saying, God, there's people around us that need Jesus Christ. And they're not going to come in until I go out and reach them. Come on, amen? Until you go out and reach them. Maybe that job you have, maybe it's time to change it. Maybe it's to, to have a better attitude at the job. I don't know. But I want to call you to a point of action. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming people and start living your chase the lion dream today. Father, in Jesus' name, I don't know what it's going to take for me. I don't know what it's going to take for these people, but I want us all to live out your God-given chase the lion dream that it's too big for us to handle and that will give you more glory and you will help us to grow in it. You will be exalted and we will enjoy it. We will be blessed by it. So help us to stop making excuses and start looking at things as opportunities, not as a disadvantage. Help us to see that you are with us if God is for us, then who can be against us? No one, nothing. There's nothing that you can't do through people who say, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me to the workplace. Send me to the music industry. Send me to the film industry. Send me to the government industry. Send me to the, the financial industry. Send me to the computer industry. Send me to writing. Send, whatever you do, drama, teaching, whatever you do, God, send me. Here am I. Lord, I'm tired of Stan Nelson making excuses. I don't want to live like that anymore, God. I don't want a boring epitaph when I die. I want one that says that I chased the lion. I want everyone in this room to chase the lion that you have called us to live, God. Father, would you help us to step out? There's no perfect time, but now is the time. There's no perfect time, 
but now is the time. So, Lord, call us to action right now. Whatever it is, if it's taking a step out, if it's writing out the dream, if it's, it's calling someone, it's changing jobs, it's getting better at job. I don't know, our, 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 our giftings, whatever it is, we've got to get better at those. Uh, reaching out to a neighbor, co-worker, and inviting them to church. I don't know what it is, God. But help us to step out and stop making excuses, God. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And power comes on those who go out and they're employed for you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, would you speak to every person here and empower us to go out in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm running out of time. I'm sorry I went a little over. But I want to give opportunity real quick. I'm going to call you to the front. The worship team's going to play. If you want me to pray with you, you want to say, Pastor Stan, I need you to pray with me. I just want to pray by myself. And I want to chase the line. I want to go for this dream. I want to come forward. I want to step forward. I'm tired of making excuses. I just want to step out. I want you to do that in a minute. But I want to give this opportunity. Because, see, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he gave his life for you. He was pierced by a spear. He was bruised. He was beaten. He died on the cross. He was buried. He was resurrected so that you and I could have salvation through him and life through him. And this morning, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, the Savior of all the universe. And God is calling you. If you've never given your life to Him with your eyes closed, heads bowed, and and you know the Spirit of God is drawing you, and you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to turn away from your old lifestyle. You need to make Him the King of your life, the boss of your life. Here's the time to do it. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, say, Pastor Stan, I'm ready for the first time. I've never done it. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm ready to do that. Let the Spirit speak to you. I'm ready to do it. I want to give Jesus the, the Lordship of my life. I want to be saved. I want to be delivered from my sins. I want to be delivered from my own selfishness. I want to be delivered from this thing. And I want salvation. And I want to be God's child. With your eyes closed, heads bowed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Stan, I want to accept salvation. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Okay, I trust you've done that. Now I'm going to pray. Worship team is going to sing. I want you to come down. I know we're going. And if you need to leave, please leave quietly. But if you want to worship, the worship team is going to come. But how? Come down. If you're saying, 